Five years ago, my wife and I joined another group from uh, Rome. There were a little over 20 of us. And we went to Spain to walk the uh, Camino de Santiago. You may have seen some movies or travelogues about it. It is a path that pilgrims have walked for well over a thousand years. It begins in the one we walked, began in France, and we did most of our walking in Spain. We did about 80 miles in uh, five or six days. The longest day was 22 miles. If you had asked me the longest I'd ever walked in one day before, I didn't know, but I do know now. 22 miles. And um, typically the group, everybody would walk at a different pace. The group is strung out over two or three miles. On this particular day, those of us who came at the rear we would come upon members of our group and we would pick them up and try to start nurturing everybody together toward the end. I will tell you, the the sun was fierce and we would walk from shade to shade. It might be 100 yards, it might be a quarter of a mile, but anytime we came to shade, we stopped. And there was a, a woman in the group And her friends began to say, uh, you know, I don't think she's had enough water to drink. Would you ask her if she's, I'm thinking, look, I'm not in charge of this, but I guess because I'm a pastor, they think I can say that in a nice way. And uh, I began to ask her, and she said, well, I've got water in my pack here, but I'm saving it for when I get thirsty. And I've done some uh, multi-day cycling trips, and I can tell you that is not the right answer. You have got to drink water early, and you have got to drink water often. And finally, as we went along, it was very clear that uh, she was shaky. I said, you have got to drink that water now. And finally, we came to a place, I said, I'm not going anywhere till you drink. And eventually, she could not unzip her pack. Her mental clarity was gone. Her legs were wobbly. And I thought her option was an ambulance or a taxi cab. I didn't know what was the right thing to do. But we nurtured her to the end, and she made it. But she did make a tragic mistake that a lot of people make in not just taking a long hike. But people tend to underestimate the amount of water they need every day. I guess it's an odd meditation text. You see what the Mayo Clinic says. If you wait until you're thirsty, you have almost always waited too long. Now, you may not suffer ill consequences, but I can promise you this. It will take you longer and more water to catch up than it would have ever taken if you had been drinking enough fluid all along. I mean, how many aging people have had their doctors say, how much water do you drink every day? Oh, I drink. And they find out they're not even drinking a third of what they need every day. Most people don't drink enough water. You don't wait until you're thirsty. You have to start drinking early. 
Well, I think this experience may shed some light on the passage of Scripture that we read just a few moments ago about Jesus at the well. Miss Jennifer brought out a little bit of it uh, in her reading or, or time with the children, but the, initially, this is an ethnic conversation. It, that little parentheses that John puts in there, Jews and Samaritans did not use together. If you think about the unfortunate way things were in the early half of the 20th century, and think about water fountains in America, this is the image that's here. She thinks Jesus is asking for some water. Well, you don't have your own bucket. What are you going to do? You going to drink out of my cup? I don't think so. We know we don't use together. And Jesus, who refuses to be deflected from the purpose of his conversation, says, if you knew who it was who asked you for a drink of water, you would ask for living water, and he would give it to you. Now, John has this little quirk in the telling of the life of Jesus. Whenever somebody doesn't understand Jesus, it is a, it's like a red flag, a neon sign. It is saying, this is something important. And the woman uh, takes the word that Jesus uses for living water and seems to interpret it almost like running water. Well, tell me where I can get running water so it'll come into my house and I don't have to come here every day. I want some of that kind of water. And Jesus goes back and talks about living water again. And he is explaining to her in one of those simple expressions that he does, like, I'm the bread of life. Uh, he represents living water. This is water that satisfies the thirst of the soul. There is nothing that will satisfy the thirst of your soul except living water. And if you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink of this water, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you this living water. Now, I take this passage of Scripture, and I take the experience that day on the Camino, and I put them together to have my understanding of the application for today. I think many of us underestimate our need for living water. I think we view uh, living water much like we do when we underestimate the amount of actual H2O that we need every day. Well, I had a cup this morning. I had a glass of water with lunch. And I think we have a tendency to make Jesus sort of like a glass of water. When I was 12, I got baptized. I had a glass of Jesus. I had enough water, and I should never have to thirst again. And I think the need for living water parallels our need for H2O in a way that sometimes we have underestimated how much we need the resource of Jesus in our life. And he does say you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never have to be thirsty again. But the stress 
of this life is such. It's like being out in that hot sun in Spain. It tests us. And we need to continually go to the fountain, the water of life, to keep drinking, and it will always be there. But like H2O, I believe once you get behind, it's harder to catch up than it is if you had been drinking all along. But this is much like the, uh, you know, what we decry as uh, foxhole religion. You know, everybody gets religion in a foxhole. Everybody needs Jesus when they're thirsty. If we only understood that we could be drinking the spiritual nourishment of Jesus Christ all along, our souls would be in such better shape. And I believe that we live in a day where the need to stay hydrated on living water has never been more apparent. Now maybe I, maybe I think this way, having been through some uh, experience with COVID, but the things... You know, we have a pool in our neighborhood, and I just tell you, it is a great place to just listen to the variety of opinions that are out there. <laughs> you can hear a lot of things. Hello, neighbors. I don't know if any of you listen or not, but, um, you know, some people still don't believe it. Some people believe it and don't care. Other people are struggling to try to figure out how to conduct life. Other people are afraid to conduct life. If you look at statistics anywhere, uh, the healthy way of dealing with this is that the, I mean, counselors, counselors, it is hard as a new patient to find a counselor today. They are so incredibly busy and overrun because of the stresses that people feel. Now, the unhealthy ways of dealing with this include opioid addiction, which was already, you know, in epidemic itself, is now off the charts. Alcohol consumption is up. The incidence of depression and anxiety is off the chart. And I believe we are all dying of thirst for living water. I had a young man ask me one time years ago a question that I think really applies today, he said, well, if I drank the living water, why am I still thirsty? Because he had that one-time image of an experience with Jesus Christ that ought to just cover him for the rest of his life. We still have the need to find nurture and nourishment from the Scripture, from prayer, from time alone with God, and I know that, I mean, if anything that preachers say all the time is, you know, you need to read your Bible, you need, but now we know because we find ourselves dying of thirst in our hearts because we don't have enough to sustain us. We have waited until we are thirsty and now we can't drink enough. And I must tell you, I I worry some about children. I worry a great deal about children. I've got four grandchildren, and I look at them and their friends and 
I mean, I go to their soccer games and that sort of thing. And the one place people seem to be cutting out things in their kid's life to reduce their exposure is church. And they haven't even developed the spiritual resources that we as adults have have developed. When they get thirsty, what will they drink? You know, we, we try to binge on prayer. We try to binge on, i got to find a passage of Scripture that will help me out. You know, if we could just drink all along. If we could just drink all along. We can stave off that thirst. This is a time... When, you know, like if you read how much fluid you should take as an individual, it's usually like what, uh, an ounce, an ounce for every two pounds you weigh, something like that. Unless you're exerting yourself heavily, and then you realize, I need more. So how much nourishment does my heart need from the living water in normal circumstances. And how much nourishment does it need under these circumstances? I know I'm not drinking enough. Shall we pray?